Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Last week for our Nation Sunday, wasn't it the most wonderful, wonderful time together? I think of all the services that take place in our church calendar, for me, that is the best. Uh, I know Christmas is significant, but for another reason, I'd, I was just saying earlier this morning, you look out when I was leading worship with the, the, the band, and I could see tears rolling down people's faces, and it was, I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Sometimes, uh, let me try and explain it this way, there's a crying in your heart or in your spirit that sometimes you can't verbalize with words or pictures, but it's reflecting the heart of God for the lost world and we were in this environment where there were people from like 20 plus nations gathered together and it was like heaven it was like heaven on earth and I was fighting back tears trying to make sure my words were clear as we were singing but I was just like God I'm so thankful for this wonderful gathering of people and that in my heart I just knew heaven was just so joyous it's just a little picture of what eternity is gonna be like amen heaven full of people from all four corners of the earth from all walks of life every shade and color every language uh, every culture gathered around Jesus it is beautiful and so I want to also add my thanks to anyone who took part in making that service so awesome uh, and I just want to say the best is yet to come amen amen one of the significant things for me about how why last week was so good is because you know we are working all the time as leaders trying to create a culture and you guys are part of that culture that makes people feel welcome heaven is wide open amen for everyone and we're seeing it expressed here and just believe it's going to be better and better you know in the Old Testament times if you've heard of the Pharisees they were like the religious leaders of the time and they were supposed to reflect a great example of the heart of God and what the kingdom should look like but they were these people who were so bound up in laws and regulations and 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 Jesus called them whitewashed tombs it's like they were dead but they made themselves look good you know and the way that they treated people was as if to say you're welcome if you behave yourself if you live like Jesus and all these laws say and if you believe then you're welcome but if you look at the life of Jesus and I want to use three B words now and I just want this to help you remember Jesus was different whenever he he encountered anybody he made them feel like they belonged amen he was dealing with people from every background with lives full of sin he made them belong and it was later that the belief changes happened and it was later that the behavior happened do you know what I'm saying when God changes you on the inside and he changes your heart it begins to affect every area of your life but sometimes we look with our eyes and we judge people by what we see and actually God calls us to love them and make them feel like they belong 
And so that's the culture that we're trying to instill here, is that when people come, no matter who they are, or what they're like, or where they come from, or how they behave, or what they believe, we want them to know they belong. This is their place, this is their home. And in that environment, they encounter Jesus, and they believe. And then he starts to change the way they act. Amen. So that's the kind of environment that we're trying to create. And we want you to buy into that culture. You are here because of the wonderful goodness and grace of Jesus. Amen. And we want to see, every, we want to see people having to stand up in this place because there's not enough room. It's such a love-filled environment. And Jesus is here that people can't stay away. And you are part of creating that culture. Amen. So that kind of talks about when people take the very brave step of walking through those doors at the back and coming here. But what about the people who are out there who don't know that we exist and what we have to offer? Uh, so we've, in one hand, I've talked about this idea that we want to create a culture that's welcoming when people come. But on the other hand, we want to create a culture of inviting people. And so that's what I want to talk about today. This simple thing. My, my sermon is, the title is very simple. It's just ask. Just ask. And it's this whole idea about the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation and how we can extend that invitation deliberately without fear and give the people the opportunity to say yes. Amen. So we're going to look at that today. Um, there's a study that's been done just to help give you a context on why I feel like it's so important and why I feel God's put this on our heart to talk about. A study has said that 80% to 95% of Christians would not invite a non-believing friend to their home or to a life group or to church or to events. That's appalling if I may be honest. <laughs> I don't want you to feel heavy, but that comes out of a few things that I'm going to talk about now. But the idea that people who understand the importance of the gospel and understand how awesome it is to be a saved person from their sins, 80 to 95% of them would not invite someone to come. And the big question is, why? Why would you not? Why would you not? So I have a few, a few reasons that I think. There are a number. But they all begin with the word fear. Fear is the thing that keeps us from asking people to come. If you boil it all down, it's a fear of something. Fear of rejection. Maybe you're afraid, like I have been afraid, that if I ask somebody to come to my house, or to my life group, or to my church, or to an event like next week at camp, they might say no and reject me. I will feel rejected. And no one wants to feel rejected, do they? It has to do with the insecurity that lives inside of us. No one likes to admit it. But many of us struggle with this fear of rejection. Well, let me tell you, you are completely accepted and loved by Jesus. That has nothing to do with how clever you are or how good you are. It's just a wonderful gift. And so it doesn't matter what people think because the most important one thinks you are awesome and he loves you and accepts you. The second fear is this fear that when they come, they might not like it. 
They might not like the way we sing and shout and pray or how we preach or, or maybe if I invite my friend, they might meet one of the strange people at the church. Look at the person next to you and tell them, it's not you. <laughs> it's a real fear, isn't it? We don't know what they will experience when they come. And so, you know, it affects our judgment to a degree. Uh, and the third thing, the third fear is, what if they say no? I'll feel like such a failure. Like I couldn't do what God wants me to do. I plucked up the courage to ask them and they just blanked me. Man, then the devil comes and he starts to tell you you're a failure. And you actually start to believe him. Well, we want to dispel that today. We want to dispel that today. We want to tell you today that we consider success to simply be you asking. Then you've done your job. Amen. And the rest is up to Jesus and what he's doing in the lives of people. And we're going to look at an awesome story today from the book of Acts chapter 10. But before I get there, I want to just summarize these fears that I've talked about in, in two bad mistakes that we make. Number one is that we assume what people are thinking or how they will find it. We make assumptions. Terrible idea, right? Greg has said before, the word assume, when we make assumptions, when we use and we assume for people, we make an ass out of you and me. Okay, we should never assume what people will be thinking or what they will say or what God might be doing in their lives. And the second grave mistake that we make is we make a decision on their behalf. Oh, I don't think they'll like it. And they'll say no. So I won't ask them. And we don't give them the opportunity to say yes. Amen. Let's not assume what's going on in the heart of our friends and family and colleagues, etc. And let's give them the opportunity to make the decision for themselves. Amen. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 10. It's a fantastic story. We're going to read the whole story. 49 verses. And you guys are going to love it. I promise. You're going to read along with me. We're going to read a bit, take a break, and talk about some ideas, and then read a bit more, etc., as we go. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 10. It's a story about uh, a Roman called Cornelius and a Jewish man called Peter, how God has been working in their lives and how they meet and what the result of that connection is. So let's read from verse 1. It says... At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back 
a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with another Simon, with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. So in our story, we are introduced to the man Cornelius. Let me tell you a little bit about Cornelius just to help you understand the context of what's happening here, because it is significant. Cornelius is considered by many to be the first believer who wasn't a Jew, the first Gentile believer in the Bible. He was not a Jew, but he loved God, right? He was a Roman soldier. So just to help you understand, the Romans were oppressing the Jews. He was trained as a killer, right? So when Jews thought about Romans, it wasn't nice thoughts. They were significant in terms of the different culture that they came from. So he was a Roman officer, a killer by profession. He oppressed the Jews and he was an outsider. A Gentile means somebody who is outside the people of God. He wasn't Jewish. Uh, in those days, the gospel had come because Jesus had come by now and he had been preaching to the people of God, essentially to the Jews on how they could become saved. So here is Cornelius, who is not a Jew, but who is sympathetic to the God of Israel. He actually loves God, but he's not a Jew. And so he feels like an outsider desperately wanting to come on to the inside but being held on the outside because he's not a Jew and he hasn't taken the steps of becoming an official Jew as such. This is Cornelius. I want you to see the divide between the cultures forming here. He loved God and he was generous. He supported the Jewish people and their faith and he gave to them. And as a result, he was highly respected by the Jews of that area. And he wanted to hear the message of Christ. So let's continue on from there and let's look at the man Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, the Bible says he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Now this might seem random, but a Jewish person could eat kosher food only. So there were some animals that they could eat and some that they couldn't. So Peter sees this vision of this sheet opened and all, all, all sorts and all types of animals are there, kosher and unkosher. And he's thinking, okay, remembering that they don't touch unkosher food, right? Uh, then a voice told him, this freaked him out, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Listen now. 
Then the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So this relates to food, but so much more of which we'll discover shortly. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house find out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So let's talk about Peter very quickly. He is not a Roman. He is not a Gentile. Peter is a Jew. He is, as a Jew and as he's been trained and brought up, he has very clear boundaries about what is acceptable and not acceptable in terms of his faith. Things that he can eat, things that he can do. He was uh, bound up, if you will, as a Jewish person by all the tradition and the laws contained within Judaism. However, he was a bit of a rebel. If you read the story, he's staying with a guy called Simon the Tanner. Now, Jews were not allowed to touch dead animals. And here is a Jew now who is skinning animals and who is coloring that hide with all sorts of gross things all sorts of colors and dyes and they used to mix in things like dog poo and all that stuff it was really gross for a jew as a jew to be doing that kind of thing but peter is staying with this tanner uh, peter also if you remember was an uneducated man right he was uh, untrained he was a fisherman <clears throat> but he was a disciple of jesus so here we have this Jew who's, you know, I was saying this morning, Jews could not associate with Gentiles. It wasn't that they, they just didn't look at each other. They were actually taught, even down to the, if a Jew was walking along and he found a pregnant Gentile lady and she was in the middle of childbirth and she needed help and there was no one else around, he was told he must walk on and pay her no attention because she was bringing another Gentile into the world. This was the cultural divide that was going on here. And yet on one hand, God is speaking to this oppressor of the Jews and his heart is so moved by what he is. He's obviously been watching the ministry of Jesus going on. He's seen Jesus saving people and, and healing people and setting people free. But he's, and he wants this this love of God. He wants this freedom and this healing and this eternity that he's seeing given to the Jews, but he feels like it's just not his thing. And he's, he's stuck on the outside looking in, but he so wants to be in. And then you've got Peter, who is used to building walls around his life to keep all of this impurity out of his life. Uh, who is used to just associating with Jews and following all the rules and being a good guy in order to love God. Now God is speaking to him and starting to say things to him that are radical. They were radical for him as a Jew to be considering what was about to happen. So we're going to continue reading now. Let's, these two guys, we've been introduced to the characters of the story. Let's see now how the story plays out. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, 
The Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. You know, when he opened the gate or he looked from his roof, he would have seen a Roman soldier and some guys that weren't dressed as Jews, and he would have known. These are not the people that I associate with. But thanks be to God that when the Spirit of God spoke to him and told him, you must go with these guys, don't, uh, don't ask any questions, just do as you're told, he obeyed. You and I are here today because he obeyed. That was the beginning of the gospel going to the Gentile nations of the world. Uh, Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one that you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Peter's got a choice right now. Cornelius, a Gentile man, has extended an invitation to him to come to his house. I wonder if you've ever had the opportunity to go and have dinner with someone who didn't go to church and you were like, should I go, right? But Peter invited the men into his house. So here these guys have come now. It's the end of the day. Non-Jewish people and Peter invites them in and has a meal with them and converses with them. I mean, this is craziness happening in terms of his tradition. The next day, it says, Peter started out with them and some of the believers. So there was this little party of Gentile people who came to Peter's house, who invited him to come. He said, well, why don't you come in and stay the night with me? Let's have food. And then the next day, it wasn't just Peter who went. It was a whole group of Jewish believers who went with him as well. It was like this party of people going to the Gentile house. <clears throat> so the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. You just need to see that people who don't know God yet can be so hungry for the things of God. Not only is it Cornelius, but he's invited all his buds and his family and their house is full of people just waiting to hear the good news. Um, and as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Cornelius is so expectant and so respectful that he falls down as if in worship of, of, of Peter coming. And Peter says, no, stand up. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. While talking with him, Peter went inside and he found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware. Now, so now he begins to explain. This is, you, you understand where I'm coming from, he says. Um, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Wow. 
He saw this vision which had all sorts of animals on the sheet and he's thinking, food I can eat, food I can't eat. What are you saying, Lord? And on the journey while he walks to go and spend some time with these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit reveals to him that it's about people from all walks of life that God makes them clean and he makes them acceptable. Amen. Um, He said... But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Because he had a heart that was open to the Lord, because he was generous to the poor, and and God could see what was going on in his heart and had been calling him and wooing him to himself, he remembered his prayers. Even as an unbelieving person, essentially, God heard and was listening to the cry that was coming out of Cornelius' heart. Uh, send to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter he's a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea so I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come thank you so much for coming now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us it couldn't be easier for, for Peter to share the gospel with anyone these guys were ready and they were like right you're here preach you know He didn't preach as such, but he was ready just to share the good news. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God um, sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. And he's just basically saying, you saw what happening. You know all about it. Um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So he's basically just preached the gospel in a very short space of time, recounting why Jesus had come, what Jesus had done, how God had raised him from the dead, and how he had gone around preaching the good news. That's how easy it is to share about the good things that God is doing in your life. And he didn't stop, and they didn't say, right, let's just wait upon the Lord. Let's see what God wants to do. While he was preaching, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit fell on all the people that were gathered there, 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, so the Jews, yes, um, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. What? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. These guys were just hungry. Peter was preaching the good news, the Holy Spirit came, and they all started praying in tongues. Wow! How awesome is that? No one laid any hands on. They were just so wide open for all that God had for them that it just, it, it's a switch got thrown inside of them, and it happened spontaneously. Uh, we're nearly there. Then Peter said, surely, surely, no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few more days. So Peter came with his band from uh, uh, Joppa and they shared the good news uh, to these people of how they can be saved. The Holy Spirit fell down and they all got baptized all in one go. Beautiful. Amen? <laughs> Imagine if Peter had said, who are you guys? I can't be speaking to you. I can't come with you. Sorry, this is not the done thing. Imagine, just imagine. God had been speaking to these guys and moving in their lives. However he had been doing it, they were so wide open. And here was a guy who was not prepared to be bound up by the tradition, but was open to the Lord and God could speak into his heart and somehow God put them together and revolution happened in the lives of all the people who were there. I want you to see this can happen with you. This can happen with you. Do not let fear prevent you from inviting somebody into your house from inviting them to a life group, for inviting them to church on a Sunday, from inviting them to our camp, or whatever event is happening. Do not let the devil lie to your heart and mind. Just ask. Who knows what God is doing and what might happen? Amen. Have you ever heard of a man called Shane Warne? Anybody love cricket will know about Shane Warne. Shane Warne was an Australian bowler, the most famous probably in modern day uh, from Australia. There's a form of cricket called test cricket, right? And he is the leading wicket taker in test cricket uh, in all of Australia's cricket history. He took 708 test wickets, which is only one form of the game. That's phenomenal. Uh, what is interesting is that his strike rate, sorry, I, I know some of you guys, the shutters are coming down right now, but just listen, there's relevance here. His strike rate, strike rate is how many balls a bowler bowls before he takes a wicket. So it's like an average of all the bowls that get bowled and all the wickets that get taken. His average was 57.4. Do you realize that he only ever took a wicket on his like 58th ball? Every 58th ball. So let's quickly do some maths. 708 times by 57.4 equals 
40,639 balls that Shane Warne bowled in his, tech, his test cricket career. 40,000 balls, that's a lot, yes? He got 708 wickets. That means that he bowled 39,931 balls that never took a wicket. What's my point? We are not hearing enough no's. Hey? We're not hearing enough no's. We're not asking enough questions. Every time a bowler bowls a ball, he's asking the question of the batsman. Can you keep the ball out? Can you keep your wicket, right? How many times did he fail, essentially? Loads. But if he never bowled the ball, he would have never got a wicket. We're not hearing enough no's. If we're hearing no's, that means we're going to hear yeses. Amen. So I want to encourage you to be brave and just ask. It's not your job to save that person. That's God's job. Your job is to create an opportunity for God to speak and do and work and act. That's his job. Do you know he loves people more than you do? He cares about their salvation and their eternity more than you do. No one is more into seeing people saved and brought into the kingdom of God than you. So if anyone is going to be motivated, it's God. All you have to do is create a connection. A connection. Create a platform by which people might encounter the living God and hear the good news. Amen. That's our job. I'm so proud of my son. He was drumming today. You know, it's hard for them to be real about their faith amongst their friends, just like it is for you and I, and I sometimes. But he was brave enough to invite his friend to come on camp. And his friend said yes. Had he never invited him, that may never happen. There's the opportunity. Amen. Let's just suck up all the courage that we can in the strength that God gives us and ask. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.